Well, there's certain things about that are, are a little bit strange, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about don't like us because we're Christians. That's going to happen. That's going to happen. Jesus said, let your light so shine. Let it radiate. When the uh, early church, the leaders were taken out and persecuted, they counted it all joy to suffer for Jesus. They rejoiced. It's a strong message, this definition of a Christian. Um, uh, let, let me, I've introduced it on your sheet there. If, uh, if you were to, to uh, study what is commonly called the world religions, and many of you have, it's a, it's a part of the curriculum now in, uh, in public school. A lot of it's just satanic, really. They just line them all up together, and they're taught by usually a non-Christian. And you, you think, well, Hindu and Buddhism and Muslim and Christian, they're all the same. You know, there's really pick and choose. It's like going down to the ice cream shop. Don't you like ice cream? Most of you do. Don't I get 33 choices? You know, just pick your choice. There's only one God, and there are all these roads that lead. That's wrong. If you were Satan, wouldn't you want to devise such a plan like that? Wouldn't it? Well, just capture all sorts of folks and they end up closing your eyes in death and end in hell you know but 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 i was a no and then today you know people don't don't really they're not they don't go recognize christ but they say i'm spiritual i'm a spiritual person you are oh yeah i you know i just do you know jesus christ is your savior and lord well no i mean i'm just you know i'm spiritual that's the day we live in, isn't it? There's increasing darkness in the land. And then with that, there's going to be increasing trouble. And it's not going to stay outside your door. You know, in many places in the world, people suffer for Jesus. You suffer. And uh, if you've studied world religions, you have discovered that that the largest number, it's kind of surprising in the world, claim to be Christians. They do. Uh, it's, uh, the fastest growing is Islam, and that is satanic to the core. That's simply religious garb covering over a militant sword or gun, if you will. It is. It's enslavement of people. It is. It's of the pit. And why women are in that is just absolutely boggles my mind. It boggles my mind. It is so suppressive to just common sense gender. Anyway, uh, we are told that uh, Christianity is, is larger in the world than Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism, and all others. But if you ask them, then, what makes a Christian? It's amazing, then, of Christendom, the answers you get. Someone will say, well, I was baptized. <clears throat> And that is an ordinance of the church, but some were sprinkled, and some as adults were infused or sprinkled or immersed. Um, as important as that is, uh, some will say that. Um, uh, I, that's what makes a Christian, they would say. Uh, a, a variety of answers given. Uh, another one would be, I walked down in front during the invitation. A lot of people told me that. The pastor gave an invitation, I walked down in front. And I go, yes, and then... Th that's a way, sure, certainly an avenue that you can, God can open your heart and you can respond that way. That happened to be my story when I was a young boy. But tell me what happened. Walking down an aisle didn't do anything. 
Well, I prayed a prayer, and I don't know what, what, what happened there. I don't even... Be careful of that. Okay, you're trusting in something other than the Lord Jesus as your Savior from sin. Some others, and, and I prayed a prayer with my mom or dad. I sat on their lap, and I prayed after them. And I, I've heard that. And some say, well, I'm a Christian because they go to church. I'm, I go twice a year. I'm in, you know. I was born there, and I go twice a year, and, and I'll be there when they say goodbye to me. You know, I'm a Christian, right? Yeah, you get that too, right? Uh, some others and many will say, well, I try and keep the Ten Commandments. You know what follow-up to that is? Hey, can you name them? <laughs> yeah. Well, let's see, isn't it like, and they'll like get maybe one or two or three, like, wow, you're, I think you're in trouble. You know? <laughs> they'll say that. Or the golden rule, you know, and they'll say, well, what is it? Well, uh, God helps them that help themselves. you like, that's never in the Bible. That is not biblical. That is the opposite. God helps them that help themselves or something like that. No, that's not even the goal. All kinds of things. I, you know, you wonder. When I read that, on all the, the billion-plus people that claim to be Christians, you go like, how, do, how, do they, you know, how are they identified? And it's a myriad of things, right? Wow. Well, thankfully, the Lord Jesus didn't leave us in the dark on this. He gave us the very definition of a Christian, and it's radical, and it's radically different from all that, all of it. Radically different. Luke, Dr. Luke tells us of Jesus' words, and the whole description is clothed in death-like words. I mean, the Lord has just said, right? Who do men say that I am? Thou art the Christ. And he begins to talk about his own death. And right from that, and in our text, we're going to read in a moment, he's dealing with more death. It's like mortuary verses. And in that, he's going to, through the disciples, he's going to tell them of what they might expect with their life if they follow him. And incidentally, all but one of them were martyred for Jesus. And John suffered and probably died at old age on, on the island of Patmos where he was arrested for Jesus. Every single one of them. So their death, death fills these verses as he describes uh, this description of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, them and his followers. And we're going to notice in our text here uh, four observations as Jesus describes for us the life of a true believer. That is one who's a disciple, a follower of Jesus. Take your Bible, look at Luke chapter 9, and let's uh, read verses 23 to 27. Luke chapter 9, 23 and following. And Jesus said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily. And follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits his own soul? The old translation. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the angels. But I tell you truly that there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. There's, uh, there's, there could be uh, five or six sermons in this whole 
passage. It's so full as we consider Jesus' definition of a Christian. But simply four observations as Jesus describes for us the life of a true believer. I'm reminded to, to, to confess Jesus as Christ means much more than simply knowing who he is or knowing something about him. Rather, it means uh, his life and all his sufferings become the pattern for your life and for mine, following him all the way, even unto the cross. Well, Jesus presents in verse 23 uh, three terms of discipleship, calling us really to die to self. You're going to see that not only in this portion of Scripture, in the words of Jesus here through Dr. Luke's writings, of this call to death, to die to self, but you'll see it over and over and over again uh, throughout the New Testament in the words of Paul. We included it in our prayers uh, in Philippians 121, for me to live is, is Christ and to die is gain, or I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. We are called to yield. We are called as bondservants. We are called to deny ourselves and to pick up the cross and to follow him. Well, the terms, uh, first observation of discipleship that calls us to die for ourselves is, uh, he says in A, if any would come after me. Uh, and this is a word of preference. Let me just say, Jesus is telling us that, and I forgot the key word there on your sheet, there's only one way to follow him. Only one way. If any would come after me, verse 23, there's only one way to follow him. Now Jesus is talking about all, to all people. He is not talking about just some super saint status. You say, like, I, I know a missionary went to China uh, he died there. That's who he's talking about. Or I know someone went into the darkness of hell. That's who Jesus is talking No, don't do that. He's talking about the only way to follow him. The way is narrowed. We read that in the Sermon on the Mount, right? Studied that some time ago. Few be it that find it. It's a narrow way. He's talking about the only way. He's talking about all people talking to the 11, but there were others. The other gospel account tells there were other people that heard that as well. And so he's talking about that, and he's giving full disclosure. Full disclosure. Listen, when you talk to folks about the Lord Jesus Christ and their need to be a disciple, a believer, and to receive him, don't make it easy for them. The Lord didn't do that. It was full disclosure. The Puritans never did that. Uh, they called about pressing in to the kingdom. And they took time. It wasn't an easy believism. I'll try Jesus like I'll try Diet Coke with my pizza. It was none of that. Uh, a lot of times I'm tempted to I want to say to folks at that point, you can't believe in them. You can't follow. You can't come. It's too costly. You know, a lot of times they say, well, do you want a friend? Well, who doesn't want a friend? You know, that results when a true believer, he is the friend of all friends. He is our Lord Jesus. That's right. But that's not the gospel. Don't sell it that way. Don't present it that way. Don't offer it that way. You know, are you lonely? Well, who isn't lonely at times? I am. 
Aren't you discouraged? Well, of course uh, we get discouraged. You know, like he, he's, he's a great encouragement to my soul. These things are true, but, but that's not the gospel. The gospel requires all. That's why we sang, I surrender all. It takes everything you have, your time, your talents, your treasury for his glory. Who did you receive all that from anyway? And you don't take any of it with you. It's costly. And he says to all people, if you will follow me, are you following him? Or are you just kind of crowding him in Sunday morning here, 9.30, Grace? We're glad you're here, but he wants all your life. As we leave as missionaries into this community, into this world, you are Jesus to people in your neighborhood, your family. And as you do that, you will suffer. That's full disclosure. I'm, I'm sorry to tell you that. You know, we don't like to hear that, right? I want it to go well. Faith and I went on our anniversary and went to the beach. Isn't that great? <laughs> Waves coming in. Biggest decision. Where are we going to eat tonight, you know? That's not life. Don't, I'm glad for those times, but that's not life. People are going to misunderstand you. You're going to get passed over in your job. You're going to have hurtful things said about you. You, you could suffer even more. Many have. The souls that are under the altar in Revelation, they died for the cause of Jesus. They didn't count their lives dear to them. Our ch the American church is so weak and so puny, and we're a bunch of babies, you know, like we, we don't know what suffering is. That's why I'm told that the church in mainland China is so vibrant. They were underground, many died, they carried the pastors away, you know, and all of these folks paid a price as a way of separating and thinning the ranks when it really costs something to really live 24-7 for Jesus. I'm out of here. I thought it was just life insurance. I die at the point, I take it, and I go to heaven forever. Now that's true, and heaven is more glorious than ever, and the best is yet to come but it, it involves a cost. It's going to take everything you have. Your hymn book, your checkbook, your abilities, your children. Now the three words, and, and some of the great writers, as I studied that this week, say that he is, Jesus is really saying the same thing. And yet each word adds something to this idea of dying to self. And uh, you'll see it in verse 23. We are to deny ourselves, take up the cross, and follow me. So it's deny, take up, and follow. Can you say that? Deny, take up, and follow. Again, deny, take up, and follow. You're not saying it. How about loud? Deny, take up, and follow. There are three verbs Describing the cost of a true discipleship. He's talking about a Christian here. And living a life that is really Christ. And trusting ourselves to the Lord. And so in B, Jesus uses three different words to describe in full disclosure what every Christian must do. 
And there's no easy way. Number one, we must deny ourselves. How different this is from our world, isn't it? The world says live for self. Self, self, self. It's nauseating. McDonald's commercial, you deserve a break today. Consumerism, right? You deserve it. You deserve it. You should have it. You know, we're bombarded with that as if we need it. We're already, we're, 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 we come into this world utterly selfish, right? Me, myself, and I, three best friends, right? Or, or the little child that begins early holding on to his Tonka truck. His friend wants it. No. He's just a little tyke. It's my truck, right? Big people are the same way, right? My time, my talent, my checkbook, my life, my ability. I'm the Marlboro man. I'm the independent guy. I'm the self-made man. That's the world. That's Americanism. Don't confuse that with biblical Christianity. You are to deny ourselves. It's quite the opposite message of our world. Completely. It's 180 degrees in the other direction. Wow. We're to say to, in denying ourselves, we're to say no to ungodly attitudes, no to unhealthy relationships, no to self indulgent acquisitions, right? You saw the bumper sticker that said, He who wins with the most toys dies. You've seen that, right? You've heard about that. How about the other one that says, He that wins with the most toys dies, but he still dies? Like that. And he had took nothing with him. We say no to things that waste our time. We say no to physical pleasures that sap our spiritual strength. We say no to many good things, and there are a lot of good things in themselves, but they're not God's will for us, at least for now. William Barclay, in a lot of his writing, is suspect. At least he was right on this one. He said, uh, to take the cross means to be ready to endure the worst that man can do to us for the sake of being true to Jesus. And so we deny ourselves, And in that, we may suffer. We suffer ethical uh, dilemmas at work, right? Just tell them I'm not here. You have a choice to make at that point. You know, or lie or cheat or fudge a little bit. Everybody's doing it. You know, you do it too. Now, come on. And, and just don't do it. And all of a sudden, you'll feel like, hmm, we don't know if we want he or she to go to lunch with us or you're sort of not in the club and, and so on. All kinds of things get passed over. We suffer or criticized for uncompromising commitment to sexual purity in a world that just let it all hang out. You say, well, wait, you can't do that. There's going to be a price paid for that. I can't. God's making me holy. I'm Christ. Uh, for me, living is Christ. I'm yielded to him. You're going to lose friends and family. He's not going to understand. Believe me, I understand that. Uh, when Faithy and I came to the point uh, I'd worked a couple of years in my father's business after college. We'd been working gratis with the youth group. And uh, came a point in time where God uh, brought us to a point of decision. And uh, my father was offering me the business. He said, let's go down to the lawyer. We'll sign it all over now. You can have it. 
you know, and uh, I just want to work a couple more years. And he's offered me his life's work, a great business, really. And uh, it was God saying, what do you want to do? You want to prepare yourself for their pastoral ministry? Go to seminary and spend years more training? Or do you want to do, you want to do this? And, and there's nothing wrong with the business. It's a good one and good for, for a, lot of, a lot of folks. And, uh, and we, we prayed, Faith and I prayed for a long time, and God put it in our heart to, to want to, to wanna begin to move towards uh, preparation for pastoral ministry. And uh, so glad we did that. Never looked back. But I want to tell you, that was hard. It was very hard. My father didn't know Christ, didn't understand. He was brokenhearted. And uh, there were a lot of tears shed as we packed up and, and moved to Indiana from uh, Buffalo, New York. And uh, uh, I think we had contact twice with him that year, not from our end. There was just disappointment, brokenheartedness. My aunt came, my father's uh, sister came to the house, and I'll never forget that. She said to me, to Faithy and I, you're going to do what? And uh, she was unsaved. We, she died an old lady, uh, multimillionaire, the, one of the most unhappy persons I ever knew. We prayed for her for years and years. I, maybe she was saved at the last moment. You're going to do what? There's no money in that. And we said we were. Misunderstanding, separation, brokenness. That's not just for pastors and would-be pastors. It's for every one of the followers of Jesus be misunderstood. I, I love people. I, 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 I like to be liked, don't you? I want to be uh, accepted. I, but there's a division there. The gospel is like a sword. It divides father from mother, husband. It, you don't want it to. And uh, we lived long enough. My father made a profession of faith just before he died in 1983. And uh, my mother was a widow and remarried. And my mother has known Christ since she was nine, but a difficult circumstance, having a strong husband that didn't know Christ, and, but made sure we were in Sunday school and all that kind of thing. And to see my mother today is such a joy. He's, my mom's, mom's still living, and she, please send me any and all of your sermon outlines. I study them every single day, I can't believe my son is feeding me spiritually. <laughs> I mean, it's such a joy. I mean, she could have died 20 years ago or whatever, and I would have had that joy to hear that, but the Lord's goodness all the way around. That's just not for me. There's, there's, when you deny yourself, there's a misunderstanding, a division, sometimes physical pain, suffering, sometimes death. Sometimes. And that's, that's, that's the way, way it is. And that's the way it was with Jesus, right? And so what does it mean? A, it means to, it's a strong word of negation. It means deny, forget about yourself entirely. To reject any thought of what will please ourselves rather than God. Uh, B, this is how one is saved, incidentally. Uh, that's how you become poor in spirit. You know, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Remember the Sermon on the Mount? That's how you come to the cross. The way to the cross is low. You have to realize that you're spiritually bankrupt. 
There's nothing in your hand you bring. It's not Jesus in you. It's all Christ. He paid it all. And we come with open, outstretched hands, and we're saved. It's nothing in us. In fact, our righteousness is as filthy rags. We recognize that it's not by works of righteousness as we have done, but according to his grace. And so we deny that. It is saying no to our own sinful nature. That's what that means, right? To deny ourselves. And we have the flesh, and we battle it. And as God grows us in grace, bit by bit, we say, Lord, no. And we deal with our sin daily, Lord, forgive me, make me holy, godly, usable. I want to serve you. I don't want to get sucked into the strong current of our godless day in which we live in. Deny, deny, deny. In a world that is lacking discipline, just let it all hang out. Go to, it is completely the opposite. Some of us may need to ask, Lord, again today, forgive me, Lord. I've been swept away. And I want to deny myself. It's the pattern of Jesus himself. He gave it to us. He denied himself repeatedly. Denied himself heaven, the glory. Denied himself freedom from suffering and pain and loss. Denied himself even a place to lay his head. And we are his followers. And think of the blessings in our life. I have a place to sleep. I have food to eat. And the Son of Man had no place. Wow. It is a strong message. We're not talking about the Lenten season where you give up chewing gum for 40 days. You know, you know it may be valuable to practice giving up something here and there as a reminder. But it's much, much more than that than giving up jelly donuts until Easter or something. It means giving up your whole life. All of your life. All of it. That's what he's talking about. And if you love Christ and you know him, that's what the business of a disciple is and is to be doing. Daily denying self. And I just ask the question, what are you accepting for yourself that Jesus wants you to deny? I can't answer it. As you search your own heart, say, Lord, may the Spirit of God search my What am I not denying that I ought to. And if the Lord brings something to pass in your mind, write that down. And Lord, I want to forsake that. I want to surrender all to you. Well, deny. You're right, the first word. Second word is, uh, is B, is, is uh, take up the cross. We must take it up daily. This means to go out and die. It means die to self. It's another word, and it adds to it of what it means to die, this taking up the cross. Now, the cross today is a symbol of Christianity. It is. I prayed for a long time that if God should give us a piece of property that would be on a main thoroughfare, that we could raise a cross that all people that went by knew that here's a people that love the Lord Jesus Christ and are marked by the cross, that all would see that. Faithy asked me the other day, do you think I should get a cross? I said, yes, by all means. It's the symbol of Christianity. All that Jesus did there and, and giving himself in total for you and for me. We understand what that means today in our day. Okay? But that wasn't the case then. In that day, it was a Roman execution instrument. 
It was brutal. During the life of Jesus when he was living before his public ministry in Nazareth, not too many miles away, there's a, a rebellion in one of the Jewish towns. And the Romans came in and they crushed it. They burned down the town and uh, they, they took thousands of people and, and sent them away into slavery. And you know what they did? They wanted to get the message out. Now this is when Jesus in his 20s there in Nazareth the Romans took uh, along the main road there and they put up crosses for miles and they crucified thousands of the rebels, one after the other after the other. Now, if you've gone down the Pennsylvania Turnpike, and some of our family did yesterday, you didn't see anything. You see a lot of beauty in the tunnels. Now imagine seeing cross after cross, dead men, one, thousands of them. The Romans wanted the message, if you rebel, you're going to get killed. You're dead. And uh, in that day, it was likened to what we used to in New York State, you have the electric chair. Uh, it was the execution instrument. And <clears throat> it would seem really odd to the Romans of that day that we would with, as Christians, true Christians, love the cross. They like that is strange. <laughs> that is strange. And and my old professor at Grace would say, you know, the way we wear our cross and all that it has come to mean, rightfully so today, it'd be like hanging a, an electric chair medallion around your neck, walking around and say, what is wrong with you? Walking around with an executional tool like that is a piece of jewelry. And it, it meant something horrible to them. And, and this is before the cross of Jesus. And he's saying to the disciples, and they knew very well what he meant. Take up the cross and die to self. That's what it meant. You see, all who were seen carrying their cross, remember the Lord, the Via Della Rosa, uh, carrying his, the cross member? And then uh, that was a symbol the Romans made the convicted criminal carry his cross for a couple of reasons. Because they wanted him to feel the yoke of the Roman authority that they were burdened and now condemned under as they carried their cross out. You know what? It was a one-way journey. I don't know if you ever went to an airport. You, most people get round-trip tickets, right? I'm coming back. Tom, are you coming back? Okay, yeah. Most people get round-trip tickets. A lot of airlines give you a discount if you do that. Oh, yeah, I'm coming back. Faith and I over in Qatar. You know, I wouldn't think of a one-way ticket. Lord, get us out of here. Ministering over there in the desert, the Arabian Desert in the spring. Not a one-way. Everyone carrying the cross, that's a one-way ticket. He's not coming back. Death. Deny yourself. Jesus said, you want to know? If a man will follow me, that's a disciple. Deny yourself. Take up the cross. Daily. Daily we're to do that. And finally, he's going to say, follow me. Jesus says, now let me, let me clarify and see. He's not referring to what we often call Bearing my cross. Now, some of you ladies, we feel for you, you're married to grumpy old husbands. 
Nobody in here is. But you know some people, right? Everyone says, I know somebody. Right? And you go like, I have my cross to bear. Right? I bear my cross. Or you have a boss that's a tyrant. You go like, well, we all have our crosses. You know, that comes from this passage, but wrongfully. He's not talking about general suffering. We suffer. We have physical maladies and other things in our life that come, and we go like, well, that's a cross I bear. No, it's not. Jesus is not talking about living life in a fallen world with suffering that comes, just living life, illness, disappointment. He's speaking specifically. The cross that we bear is the cross we bear for the affliction, the suffering, the misunderstanding, physical abuse, and loss, and more because of Christ, because of our identification with Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. That's what he's talking about, bearing the cross daily. So be clear in your mind on that. Uh, it's, uh, it's only by our association with him. And this means laying, uh, uh, laying ourselves on the altar of daily obedience. Daily we're to do that and follow him. And the third word, the verb that's given, we must follow him uh, unto death. Rejection, disgrace, persecution, and death. Wow. He bore the cross for us, one man writes, and now we bear the cross for him. Hardship, suffering, rejection, and we follow him all the ways. Now, that, those are the terms of discipleship. Wow. That's a, a very different than in full disclosure what often you hear, I come to Christ and uh, it'll be wonderful. No wonder the, the crowd thinned out. But this is what it is. And I'd be lying. Remember, I'm just the delivery guy. And I have to tell you what God's word says. And it goes right through my mind, my heart, my soul to you in prayer. And I pray these things are true in your life. That you deny yourself. You know, we're talking about uh, service. You know, you, God has given each one of you gifts and abilities. And that you're to serve 24-7, but particularly. As we scatter, we serve, but particularly as we gather. And we need some positions filled. And we need you to deny yourself and to serve. We need to, to deny yourself even in the property. I already challenged you on that. In giving, deny yourself. And, and give that to the Lord. That's what you do. We're simply the stewards of that as a church body. Give yourself. Give yourself away. Live to give. That has been a theme that we have. Be a blessing. Care for people that God has given you around. And love them, and may the love of Christ flow through you. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. And that's what he wants to do through you. It's all for him. He does it. We can't do it in our strength. We're selfish. We fail. We fail repeated. I got news for you. You're going to fail today. You will. You will utter words of selfishness and failure You'll try and protect and preserve yourself and, and uh, in your own ways and in our ways. We'll say, me, myself, and I, no way. 
But this is what Jesus, through the Spirit of God, through the new nature and his empowerment, wants to do in you and through you. You can't muster it up. Say, I'm going to really, I'm going to do it. Well, it's good to make a choice because it takes it to, but then you lay yourself bare and watch what Christ will do through you. And you're like, wow, this is really exciting, abundant living. And some of you are afraid and uh, you're going to like, going to hunker down and hold on. That's no way to live. That's not what Jesus did. He could have done that. I'm not going to earth. Go down there. Think of the kenosis. I'm not going down there. I like it up here. He was, he's God Almighty. And consider him who endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, who freely gave up all. Wow. He denied all. And so what's the context here? Now you know who I am. This is my mission. And he goes on without a break. And if you would follow me, talk about all people, you need to die to self. Die to self. Forget about yourself. Trust me. I'll empower you. I'll use you. And you'll be amazed. Remember how ordinary these guys were. The disciples, they were ordinary as ordinary could be. And God turned the world upside down through them. And I often think of Grace Church and impacting our greater Harrisburg area in the world. You go like, it's, but we're not much. Hey, we learned that already, didn't we, in the boys' lunch? <laughs> Don't despise the day of small things. Little is much when God is in it. And you'll be amazed. You say, I'm not much. You're almost at the point where God can begin to really use you. That's what I want. That's really what I want. And that's what I want. That's the kind of church family I want to be a part. And we say, for us to live as Jesus. That's what I want. Quickly then, and we'll, we'll move through these fast. And that's the heart of this passage. In verse 24 and 25, the second observation, Jesus provides us with a compelling reason to follow him. 24 and 5, he says, For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Jesus is providing uh, motivation here, the compelling reason why they should follow him, even though the saying is hard, and so should we. It's a puzzling trade-off of discipleship. Why should we deny ourselves? Well, first, if we live for self in short order, we'll lose our life and everything that we have gained forever. You'll lose it all. It'll all be stripped from you. All of it. All of it. It means that if you live for self, then self is on the throne. Self-preservation is all important. I got to protect myself and at all costs. Such ones I'm reminded may call themselves believers, but they're really not. They're really not. They don't fit the dis, the the, the uh, definition of a Christian. To deny, to take up, and to follow. 
And I don't know what's going on there, but I know Jesus said, not everyone who says unto me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only he who does the will of my Father. Wow. I mean, a lot of times, churches will lower the bar so far down, and they lose the gospel. The bar is up here. You can't do it. God has to do it in you and through you and through me. Wow. And so if we set our heart on, I'm going to conquer the world in my own domain. I'm going to get all the getting while I can get the getting. You'll lose your life now. It won't amount for anything. And then you're stripped of it all. And then it's a Christless eternity in hell. Wow. Wow. So when my dear aunt, who was totally spiritually dead, said, well, you can't do that. There's no money in it. Why would you ever even think of, uh, of doing such a thing? I didn't think of a good response, but a good response would simply be, oh, no, this is the best business investment I could ever make. R.C. Sproul taps into that and says, I'm playing for eternity. Not just for a few shakes of the calendar. I'm playing forever. It's the best it's the best return ever. And it is. They that have the Son have life, and they have it more abundantly. John 10, 10. Isn't that true? And the result is, he says, uh, in, in one... Uh, is a total loss. If you live for self and, uh, and all of that, it's a total loss. It's like a ship lost at sea. All hands were lost when that ship went down. Like the old Edmund Fitzgerald. Remember that ballad song on the Great Lakes and went down? The total loss. And even the Lord takes the exaggerated to the nth degree. And let's just imagine that a man living for himself, woman living for himself, not a follower of me. And now they've conquered the whole world. Imagine that. Hypothetical. Just conquered it all. He did all that in exchange for his soul. Jesus is saying the worth of a human soul is far more put on the balance beam than all the stuff in the world. Boy, don't we got that upside down. Don't we have that? We fall down. We're enamored by all. Jesus, this is the way it is. That's just stuff. Remember our study in Ecclesiastes? That's just stuff. Stuff is stuff. People are made in God's image. They're valuable, inherently valuable forever. And they live forever. And there's only one of two places, heaven or hell. That's it. That's why they're instantly more valuable. Guys, we love our cars, don't we? It's the last thing when a guy's retiring and getting up there. And I remember that with Faithy's dad. Oh, we, oh, Pop, you cannot drive anywhere. You take, you know, a guy can't wait to drive. I was driving when I was 14. Don't tell anybody. But I was driving when I was 14. My father saw me one day. Was that you driving that truck? Where were you, Dad? I didn't see you. <laughs> I can not see you Buffalo. <laughs> My boss thought I was 16 and had a driver's license. I'd take the truck, landscape down there. I said, okay. <laughs> and the last thing to go nearly before his breath is the car keys. You have to kind of like pry it out of his hands. And it's, uh, 
We just, uh, don't we? All that stuff's going to burn up. That's not value. What, uh, uh, Franny Schaefer used to say when he lived in Germantown, Pennsylvania, I used to make it a habit to go down. They used to have the dump then, you know. Some of you know what the dump is, the, 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 uh, the junkyard. He said, I used to make a habit to go down there and I walk around. They had piles of stuff, you know, car parts and, and that day, and appliances and all kinds. I just, it, I just needed to remind myself what it is that people trade away their lives for and where it ends up. I thought, that's good stuff. That's the kind of visual message we all need. He called it in the sermon, Ash Heap Lives. It's a tremendous sermon, and we need to know that. Wow, Jesus said that is a bad investment to, to win the whole world and lose your own soul. John D. Rockefeller, Standard Oil, wealthiest man probably in the world at that time. Here he is in the cost of, of trying to win the whole world. He couldn't even eat a steak. How sad that is. Near, near the end of his life, the latter years, somebody said, I think it was recounted, that all he could ingest was a, a woman's breast milk. Now that's sad. And then when he shut his eyes in death, I don't know if he has ever said, I don't have any reason to think he was, all of his wealth stripped away. Somebody said, do your giving while you're living, then you're knowing where it's going. That's not bad. <laughs> do your giving while you're living, then you're knowing where it's going. And his family's been fighting over that as that generations of the Rockefellers, and now there's pocket change left to the great-great-grandkids and who knows what, right? But the contrast, here it is, the contrast to give your life to Jesus, and you'll have it back forever and ever. Listen, God made you for himself. He did. It's the best possible of all investments. It is. Jim Elliott, most of you know of that great missionary in 1956, was down there from the team of five in Ecuador, reaching the headhunter tribe, the Yaka Indians, take the gospel to them. He was killed there on the Amazon uh, for the cause of Christ. And he wrote prior to that, of course, prior, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool to give what he cannot keep. That's your life. To gain what he cannot lose. Wow. He's exactly right in that. What a blessed servant. Well, you know, when we get to heaven, we're going to stand in a long line to talk to Jim Elliott, God's uh, servant, his martyr who died for him. Well, Jesus helps us to understand uh, and be that the value of one's life is more valuable than all the world. The tragedy, there's tragedy in making the wrong decision. Many have. Don't you do that. Don't you do that. Don't make that tragic decision. The third observation, Jesus warns us by pointing to his future coming and the judgment. In verse 26, let's read that one more time. For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory, in the glory of the Father, in the glory of the holy angels. Jesus is pointing towards uh, the future coming, but specifically the judgment. 
the judgment seat of Christ for Christians, the judgment that every man or woman who has ever been will give an account of themselves before the Lord, and a final verdict will determine the eternal destiny in heaven or hell. To be found in Christ, at the judgment seat of Christ, all those that will stand there will be saved forever. Those that have said, by God's grace, I'm a disciple of Jesus. Deny, take up, and follow. I have done that by God's grace. It is only wise to live with the end in view. And can I remind you, there is always an end. There's an end. There's an end. Live with the end in view and you'll live wiser. And to be ashamed of Jesus is to reject him and his words. And he will say, depart from me, I never knew you. Don't hide your light under a bushel. We have all failed him. We've all been ashamed to speak that name. We have. The crowd, the pressure, Lord, forgive us. We need to say like Peter, Lord, forgive me. I denied you. I was ashamed of you there when he was arrested. The Lord restored him, and we need to do that. Lord, forgive me for that. Give me starch and backbone by your grace that I would stand and be salt and light, that I would be Jesus to all that I should be. In kind words and love, may the love of Christ flow through me. May people come to know Jesus through my life. And he will forgive you and and you can begin again. Isn't that great? Wow. And finally, the last, Jesus gives us encouragement through a glimpse of the coming glory that will be ours. It's a glimpse. But I tell you then, he says, truly, there will be some standing here, some of you, who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. Wow. To get a glimpse, and we'll talk about that in days to come, a glimpse of heaven. Wouldn't that change everything? Would that be a game changer? And we could say, hey, wait, wait, Jay and Dave and Jen, we, we got pictures of heaven here. Do you want to see it? And we like, there's a, uh, wow. Be like, that's it. I'm, I'm out there forever now for Christ. And he tells him, you're going to see a glimpse, just a glimpse. And uh, how motivational that must have been for them. Wow. Jesus defines what is a Christian. And he does so. You know, there's a great, before we look and close with our lessons for life, there's a great old hymn I want you to look at. Dave put the words up on the screen. Isaac Watts. And I want you to ask yourself this very question as we think of the cost of discipleship. Um, uh, am I a soldier of the cross, a follower of the Lamb? And shall I fear to own his cause or blush to speak his name? Must I be carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease while others fought to win the prize and sailed through bloody seas? Are there no foes for me to face? Must I not stem the flood? Is this vile world a friend of grace to help me unto God? Sure, I must fight if I would reign. Increase my courage, Lord. I'll bear the toil, endure the pain, supported by thy word. Thy saints in all the glorious war shall conquer, though they die. They see the triumph from afar, by faith they bring it nigh. 
When that illustrious day shall rise and all thy army shine in robes of victory through the skies, the glory shall be thine. What a tremendous hymn that pries into our very hearts asking the question, am I a soldier of the cross? Well, lessons for our life and while that's being fleshed up. Let me encourage you, this book was the Christian book of the year last year. I bought this last year and read uh, uh, Dr. Bonhoeffer's book. This, I commend this to you, is an outstanding work. He was martyred, arrested by Hitler's regime, and this powerful man of God, trained in liberal theology, the grace of God brought him uh, to understanding uh, evangelical faith. Uh, he uh, Just an outstanding book that will motivate you and encourage you uh, in this, uh, the cost of discipleship. He was 39 years old and executed in the final days uh, of the Third Reichs in one of, the, one of the camps. Well, what can we say by way of lessons for our life? Number one, a Christian is one who knows Jesus died for them and now lives for him every single day. What about you? Do you know that? Do you know that Jesus died for you and are you, are you living for him every single day? That's what God wants to do in and through you. Jesus lived and died for you. You cannot do it on your own. But he works in you both to will and to do of his pleasure. You are Jesus to all that you should meet. So the next time you're driving down the road and the guy cuts you off, same to you, fella and point certain fingers in the air or something. Do not respond like that. There's something testosterone, you know, like got to prove my manhood or something. I hear you, okay, here we go. I got 440 under the floor and four speed. Here we go. No. Or the next time you're disabused. So like, I deserve more. You do? No, you don't. You deserve the other direction. Don't ever ask God to give you what you deserve. You're in trouble, and so am I. Never ask God for justice. Lord, it's your mercy. It's your grace. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Live for him every day. Number two, if you by grace alone keep the terms of discipleship, it is inevitable that you will suffer. You will suffer. You will suffer. Some of you are suffering now. I'm sure of it. There's family suffering. Some of your family think you're a wacko. Why are you reading your Bible? Why are you doing? Why? Why don't? Why? And you feel that there's a division. There's a sword there. There's a price. I say to you, rejoice and count it a privilege to suffer for the Savior. Number three. There's no easy, convenient Christianity. I'm sorry to tell you that. The Americans like, we're very practical people. Tell me the easy way. I don't want to suffer. How do we do this? And then put a smiling face on it. None. And not in my Bible. Maybe you got a different translation. It's costly. It costs you and I everything we have. Maybe you've never thought about it that way. Maybe you'll never come back here again. This is the message of the Bible. I'm the delivery guy. Number four. Today, make the, I call you to make the deliberate choice in the quietness of your heart even right now 
Can you say, Lord Jesus, I surrender all to you. I give it to you. Forgive me for failing in this. I urge you to say that, even right now in the quietness of your heart. To deny yourself. Lord, help me to take up the cross every single day and follow you. Would you make that choice? I call upon you to do that. Number five and last. Come to the Savior today. If you're not saved, maybe you're here and you say, wow, this is not the message of the gospel that I ever heard. Wow. This is tough. This is, wow, this is not what, I'm sorry to tell you, you got a truncated, perverted gospel. This is the gospel. We're sinners lost, every one of us. We're born that way. The wrath of God has been revealed. All of sin comes short. It's a gift. I urge you, if I can help you in any way, to turn and trust Christ as your Savior and be saved today. He'll forgive all of your sin. you be born again. Make him your Savior. Wow. Wow. Well, that's the definition of a Christian. That's a tough message. It's not a warm and fuzzy. There's a cost to be paid. Jesus, there's a cost. He paid it all. And now we follow. Christian means really little Christ. It was a mockery term. It's Christ in us. Let's stand and be dismissed with the Lord. Father, thank you for these strong words of the gospel. They really go down and plumb the depths of our hearts. We've failed you so many times, even as believers. We have been ashamed to speak that name that is above every name. Forgive us of that. And we ask, Lord, from this point forward, many of us made decisions. I'm going to make the choice today, Lord, by your grace that I will be Jesus to all that I should meet. That it's not going to be about me but it's going to be about him. And take, Lord, whatever days remain of our lives, whether long or short, until Jesus comes. And use us to make a difference in the hearts and lives of others. We ask you, Lord, we're, we're afraid, but we want to trust you. Wash us and cleanse us. And we ask that you use us. And that daily we'd be willing to deny ourselves Take up the cross and follow you all the way. And we'll thank you for it. Make us a blessing now. Dismiss us with your favor. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great holiday.